for this special 100th episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast, there's no one more appropriate than Helium 10's founders, Manny Coates and Guillermo Puyol. These two great guys have not only built the leading Amazon selling software, but they've also had their boots on the ground since the beginning. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Serious Sellers Podcast by Helium 10. I'm your host, Bradley Sutton, and this is the show that's a completely unscripted, unrehearsed, organic conversation about serious strategies for serious sellers of any level in the e-commerce world. And I'm beside myself right now because I have the two most awesome guests that we could have on the show for this special episode 100. These are the founders of Helium 10 and the original AMPM podcast. We've got Manny Coates and Guillermo Puyol. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Glad to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Now, what I like to do in the beginning is always talk about the origin story of the guest, you know, to see it's really interesting to note how all of us kind of have ended up in the same place, but we all come from such varied backgrounds. So, so Manny, first of all, to you, where did you grow up originally? And what's your backstory? Like, what was your educational backstory? So I grew up mainly in SoCal. I was originally born in Spain, moved out to the States when I was a little kid, moved to Texas just recently, Austin, Texas. And yeah, educational background. There's not a lot there. Went to high school, got out of high school, got into finance, wanted to be a, believe it or not, a sheriff or wanted to be into the police business. I thought that would be really cool, but got into finance uh, shortly after, I think uh, I was 18 years old, right after high school and paid really well. Got out of that uh, at about 22 years of age and then got into the whole entrepreneurial side of things. And then there's a big story behind that. All right. We're we're definitely going to have to come back to you. How about you, Guy? I was born in Ecuador, lived there until I was 19, went to Katy, Texas, which is a suburb of Houston, lived there for most of my adult life, except a couple of years that I lived here in, in Irvine. And then uh, recently moved to Austin, Texas. Okay, excellent. Now, what, uh, one thing, you know, we, we're talking about being entrepreneurs and, and we talk about your educational background, but what about your like kind of work background? I'm curious, what was your very first job, Manny? My very first job. Well, when I was a kid, I would make money doing a lot of weird things like mowing yards and crushing aluminum cans and bringing those things in. You were hashtag crushing it. I was crushing it back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back then. No, I'd say my first real official job where I was getting a, I got a W2, I guess, was telemarketing job. And that thing was, it was not fun. It wasn't great. And then right about that same time, I also worked at a, a restaurant. So, and I kind of pretty much did everything at the restaurant. Those were my first two jobs. And after that, I got into something pretty serious, which was the finance business that I was telling you about. And that did really well. Okay. I, I got into... Actually, I think he knows the story of, I got into finance and giving people loans and stuff before I even had a credit card. So it was the weirdest thing, right? I'm advising people on, on their loans and stuff and I don't even have a credit card. So wow. it was pretty cool. That's cool. How about you, Guy? First job, that's probably something you don't know. I was a child actor. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So I actually auditioned for something. I didn't even know what I was auditioning for. Ended up being... 25 year of the founding of Confiteca, which is a sweets company in Ecuador. So they did a, a little mini movie about, about the, the company. So I acted on that. So that was when I was around maybe 10 years old, 19 years old. After that, 
the next job I got was when I was maybe 16 years old, I, I used the Christmas holiday to work for those two weeks at a, at a sweets store, one of those by weight stores oh, yeah. at the mall. So I worked there. So instead of wasting away my, my two weeks, I made some money. So that was fun. And from that I've done, I worked at Pizza Hut for far, far longer than I care to admit. Mm-hmm. I've done customer service. I've done sales, quite a bit of background and a little bit of everything. Now, at what age did, did either of you kind of like, can you look back to that? You developed that entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, was it something you always had? Like, were you like Gary Vee and trying to sell baseball cards in third grade and things like that, Manny? Or? Yeah, I think so. I think I remember in school, we'd make homemade lollipops, those little, uh, those little candies. And we'd bring those in and you can make those things for just a few cents. You could sell them for 25 cents. We did some of that. My mom's always been entrepreneurial. My dad, not as much, but she was always trying to find different ways of making money, bringing some, uh, some cash for the family so we could do some, some extra fun stuff. But yeah, I think it's always been there. I remember back in the day, just seeing those ads. I forgot what the, they're, they're terrible. They're scams, but it would be like th- those envelope stuffing things, you know, where you'd like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. think everybody's heard about those. And I'm like, oh, that was pretty cool. It piqued my curiosity. And I just wanted to get into business. I wrote a credit repair kit back in the day, selling that. And then when I got into, uh, after I got out of the finance business, I got, I got out of the finance business back up a little. I got out of that because, because of the entrepreneurial spirit, I was just like, you know what? There's more. I I Mm want to be able to to do more. I was kind of locked into a, I would say a dead end job. I, there just wasn't any ability to, to rise at that company, to go anywhere. And I just decided, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to take the bull by the horn and just go out and do my own thing. And that's what I did. Started with animation. And that's one of the things that we and I have in common, we're really big fans and we're passionate about 3D animation. Well, maybe we can talk about how we met, but it had to do with 3D animation with hmm. the games and stuff. But that was my very first business that I actually started that I actually funded with, you know, cash advances on my credit card. And yeah, it didn't do so well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what about you, Guy? When, when did that entrepreneurial bug, can you remember that first hit you? I think my whole life. Funny because my that was an airline pilot, but he wasn't an entrepreneur. He, he definitely, he was forced into entrepreneurship when, as he called it, his wings got cut due to medical reasons. But my grandpa was always an entrepreneur and I always had that, the bug. So right now, as Manny was talking his, about his first businesses, I remember selling necklaces made of pasta <laughs> to my, <laughs> to my aunts and making some money there. The first more serious thing was selling pogs. I don't know if you remember those discs. Oh uh, yes. Yes. Pictures and everything. So I partnered up with a lady that was bringing them from the U S and I was selling them in my school, made quite a bit of money. Then I wasn't happy with that. So I went to the mall and distributed at the mall. I got a a few stores buying them from me until the business got shut down by my principal, but it was, (laughs) it, it was good. Yeah. So we it, have a lot of similar, I was just thinking he, he mentioned Pogs, one of the businesses that I, it was a failed business. This is one of the things entrepreneurs, if you're listening, right, is that you will have a lot of failed businesses. You got to go through a lot of businesses oh, yeah. in order to have a, a successful one. Typically, at least that's been my, uh, my observation in this space. But yeah, we, I had a video. This is how old I am. We had VHS tapes, right? Maybe if you guys don't know what those things are, you can, <laughs> you can Google it, but it was power playing with Pogs. Right. And it was a video on how to actually create games with pogs. So you were selling the pogs. I was creating videos on how to actually play 
games with it, but I didn't realize, and you probably know this, that Pogs was a trademark name. Do you remember what the original uh, non-trademark name was? Oh, I think, I think they were called, was it milk caps? Is that what they were? I have no idea. Yeah. So anyways, I ended up getting a deal with Walmart. They wanted to actually distribute the, the video. They had contacted me. I was like, holy crap, this is going to be amazing. They wanted a first order. Uh, I'm, I don't remember the exact number, but it was a lot. It was like 200,000 VHS tapes. Wow. So I was trying to figure out, you know, I knew I can get these things really cheap, you know, the, the VHS, VHS tapes. So I was trying to figure out how I was going to finance all of that. And then that's when I found out, oh shoot, this thing is trademarked. I'm not going to be able to, to release this thing. They found that through some due diligence. I had to scrap the whole project. I still have some of the old videos at my house. Yeah. That's funny. We got to bring that Anyways, up. I didn't mean to interrupt, but <laughs> we have a lot of similarities in our background. Yeah, it's crazy how a lot of the, a lot of the things align. One of the things that was different, I don't know if different, but while I was working at Pizza I was delivering pizzas and something that I did as much as I could was rent books on CD. So I would be listening to books because I'm working eight, 10, 12 hours a day delivering pizzas, but I felt like that was a means to an end. So I wanted to educate myself as I'm working. So I would put any anything about business, marketing, sales, anything I could get my hands on to continue to educate myself and learn while I was doing what at that point in time, I considered dead end, mm -hmm. uh, but in no disrespect who, to whoever is doing that right yeah. now. But to me, it was, I knew that I didn't want that to be the rest of my life. I was okay. trying to grow as I was doing it. Now, now staying, staying with you for a second, seems like maybe would, I, would it be accurate to say Pizza Hut was your most hated job or did you have something else that you didn't like, you like, you didn't no, you um, dislike. Pizza Hut was definitely not, not the most hated. Okay. I have some great memories, great people that I met through, through Pizza Hut. If I had to pick a job that I didn't like was Verizon Wireless. I did inbound phone customer service. Ooh. And nobody calls customer service because they're happy with, <laughs> with their situation. So it was uh, eight hours of just total negativity. Mm. And as you know, me, everything about business, I take personal, like, so at that point in time, I was Verizon wireless. So they're calling to complain about Verizon wireless. I'm like, Oh my God, it, <laughs> it hurts. Like I want to yeah. make this, this person happy. But after every, every call, I was like, so tired. So it got to the point where I had to log in at 7am, have to be there with my headset on ready to take calls. And I had a 40 minute commute getting there. So I would get up super early in the morning, get ready, go to the commute, get to the parking lot. And I would just try to master out the energy to walk into the job. And there was a couple of instances where I couldn't, like I had to call in sick because I couldn't get myself to, to walk wow. in. So at that point in time, I was like, this is not for me. Like yeah. it's like my hats off to the customer service, to our, to our customer service team. They're, they're always there help, helping customers. But to me, to separate the frustration an average customer has towards the company and separate that to what they're telling me was super difficult. So I, I didn't have it in me. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Manny? What was your most hated job that you've had? I don't think I had a hated job. I, I had certain things about jobs I didn't like. I worked for a metal fabricating company. Couldn't deal with the owner. And he was just a, just a jerk in life. He was just terrible, terrible person. We all know somebody like that. Mm -hmm. I was just like, this is it. I'm like, I'm not going to work here anymore. So that's when I did cash advances on my credit cards and got into what I really wanted to do. What I loved, which was the 3D. Now, is that how you guys met? 
originally? No, this was, How did you mean? this was a long time ago. This was like 20 years ago. This was, okay. this was so long ago that 3d animation was still kind of a new thing. There was a, a software called Lightwave, Lightwave 1.0. I ended up publishing a couple books in there, started a magazine comp- company called Lightwave and Magazine, which ended up being the very first company that I sold, sold it for like, I believe it was about 50 grand. So to me, I was like, Ooh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. 50 grand. I'm going to use this money to get the heck out of this city that I'm in. Cause I lived in uh, the high desert, which I just didn't like. And I moved to San Diego and that's when I started my, my first two businesses. One was a dot-com, which nobody really knew what that was yet. And the other one was a physical product business for a protein powder. Cause I was really into going to the gym and stuff. It wasn't collagen peptides. It wasn't collagen okay. peptides. No, it probably was. It was probably something in there. I don't know. Back then it was wild, wild west. So then when did you guys meet then if it wasn't from the 3D? Yeah. So as many of the ventures that I started and failed at, that, that's something that I, I told my wife. I think the statistic is nine out of every 10 businesses fail. I told my wife, well, I, I guess I'm, I'm going to have to start 10 businesses, right? So one of the many was I started creating a mobile game. So I spent every, I think I still working, but I was, any spare time that I had, I was creating a mobile game following the success of Flappy Bird. So my game was very, very bad. It was a, a little helicopter. But worked on that, released the game, and I think I made like a whole 35 bucks <laughs> after <laughs> three months of spare time work, right? So I told, told my wife, like, hey, I really enjoy programming. This is really engaging for me, but we couldn't afford that at that point in time to gamble three months away, right? Yeah. So what I did is I made my myself available on Upwork. I didn't have uh, any, any ratings or any history in Upwork. So... I was looking for a way to get that started. So I was looking at the, at the job listings and I noticed that there was this one guy that wanted to do a game. There's a small game, narrow scope, and something in the listing had, uh, he said something in Spanish. So he described the game very, very roughly. Mm-hmm. So what I did is instead of replying right away, I took the afternoon and created a very rough mock-up of the game, recorded a video, and then I replied to him in Spanish saying, hey, is this what you had in mind? So they're like, oh, yeah, this, that's exactly it. And, and we, we got to talking. So he hired me to make the game. The game, as any any software development goes, is always two or three times longer than what you think it was. So that short scope game ended up taking us a year to to complete. Wow. And we got to know each other. He was from Spain. And towards the end, he started talking about his crazy cousin in California. He's like, he idolized his cousin, Manny, right? So like Manny, uh, you, you should work with him. He's, he's released hundreds of games and you, you guys got to meet. So I thought it was, uh, it would be great. And he eventually made that introduction. And that's when, that's when we got on the, on the phone and, and he said, well, I'm, I'm starting, I'm thinking of starting a game, the 3d game, uh, which is what I was doing. So if you want to, want to tackle that project, we, we can start working together. So we worked on that project for about a year and that's kind of how we, we got to know each other and eventually things took a different direction. Got to meet crazy cousin Manny yep. over here. Now, who was the first one to find out about the Amazon opportunity between you two? It was that, would, that would be Guy. Yeah. How, how, how did you do that? Like, how did you come across it? I was, I will say I was broke as a joke, right? So as I'm working on this project, the, the programming was taking the, the bulk of my time. 
my wife was a teacher at the time. So I was trying, looking for ways to supplement my income. And I would. What, what year are we talking about? 2014. 2014. Okay. 2014. So I was looking for ways to supplement my income. So I learned about selling books on Kindle and selling coloring books and merch by Amazon. So at that time I was, had some Kindle books and I've actually had some somewhat successful Kindle books. I did coloring books for, for adults and merch by Amazon, all, all of that through Amazon. And in that being in the circle, I learned about retail arbitrage. So I was doing retail arbitrage. I was selling on eBay and keep in mind that this happening while I'm working on the project with Manny and touching base about the game. So we, we were talking about not just the game, but getting to know each other. And at one point in time, I, I, I told him like, look, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to work uh, Fridays anymore on the game because I need to spend time sourcing stuff for the, for the eBay store. And he was like, so tell me about the, the Amazon. What are you doing? I described what I was doing. And he's like, oh my gosh, that sounds like a hassle. Isn't there a, a better way? And I'm like, there is a better way. It's called private label, but it takes a lot of capital to, to start. That was my, my flawed assumption back in the day. Mm -hmm. So knowing this guy, like he said, oh, that sounds interesting. Two weeks later, I think he had ordered like a container full of something. <laughs> like, <laughs> so maybe you can take it from there. Yeah, that was the end of 2015. At this point, it was a year into the game and we decided to shut the game down just because it was, uh, was going to take another year probably. We had the two of us, you know, Bradley, we, we were never short on ideas. So yeah. feature creep just kept getting in the way. Mm. So it's like, man, if we added this, if we added this, and the scope got insane. It's actually got to a pretty cool point, but we figured one more year into this and- Maybe we'll be done and maybe we'll make money. Maybe it'll make zero. So we scrapped that. His idea, I, th I thought retail arbitrage was ridiculous and crazy for the amount of grind you have to put into it. Mm -hmm. That was for me. I know it's, it's a great way for a lot of people to start small, but I was like, there's no way considering what I was doing. So yeah, I decided to jump into private label, learned as much as I could. And back then there wasn't a lot, you know, that there, yeah. there weren't really, I think there was one podcast out there that I knew of and yeah, just absorbed everything and, and placed an order and. And off we went. I have multiple orders. I launched one product initially. And this one I told, told you about it. And we started, uh, we decided to move forward with Amazon, the Amazon side of things. We're talking about ways to um, build an audience because we, we come from affiliate marketing world. And in order to do affiliate marketing successfully, you need an audience. So I was thinking of marketing, like building a website or, or a blog or something like that. I think you said, let's start a podcast. And kind of the, the reason why Manny wanted to do the podcast is to hold himself accountable for, like if he's going to learn about this selling on Amazon, he's going to be sharing what he's learning and, and the successes and the failures. So that, I feel like that was one of the reasons the AMP podcast was successful, at least in the early days, because of the, the fact that Manny was transparent about the successes, but also the failures. Mm -hmm. Like he talked about one of the first products that, that he was kind of a passion project, his first private label product didn't do well. And instead of pretending that, that everything was, was good, came out of the podcast and said, Hey, I, it, it didn't do well. Right. Mm -hmm. You could see through the BS that was out there. Right. Like if, if you're talking to any marketer, everything was awesome. Right. Oh man, everybody's rich. Everybody's making money. And 
makes it sound so easy. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to document this. And it's that easy. Cool. But it wasn't right. There's problems. There's issues all along the way, even to the point where like when you're sending your first payment for the product, man, I was freaking out, right? You got to send tens of thousands of dollars to somebody in China that you've only talked to on Skype that you've never seen. You don't know anything about it. You have nobody, no boots on the ground over there. You don't know if that money is just, you know, gone, evaporated as soon as you hit that send button on the wire transfer. So it was, uh, it was nerve wracking. Luckily that didn't happen to me, but yeah, the, the, the issue that uh, Guy was talking about, I, I ended up, my very, very first product was a uh, liquid chalk markers. And yeah, I, I didn't know about a bunch of the, you know, the packaging requirements and the thing would explode if you dropped it on the ground. And it, I mean, not the, not the pens themselves, but the box. <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> and it was just like, it was, it was a bad scene. So I remember me, my brother, my girlfriend were, you know, putting little stickers on it to hold all the pieces together. And it was, it was a mess that business. Ultimately it didn't do terrible. I didn't make a ton of money on it. I didn't lose a ton of money on it, but it was a very good, it was a data gathering experiment. I guess mm-hmm. we call it right. We learned a lot yeah. from doing that. And from that, I could talk to people on the podcast and we started getting a following because we were kind of telling it how it was or how it is as I was going through this. And yeah, from that point on, we, I started realizing, you know what, I came from the, the mobile app side of stuff. And I was like, you know, it seems like the Amazon is super similar to the mobile app side, right? You know, you got, if you, it's really interesting if, you, if you've ever developed for, for mobile at the time when I was doing it, it was very similar. It's like you have on Amazon, you got an image on mobile, you have, you know, an app icon. You both, they both have titles. They both have descriptions. They both have keywords with the app, apps at the time you can localize for different languages. So you could stuff you know, additional keywords in different languages, which one of the very first podcasts I did with Kevin King was about stuffing Spanish keywords into your listing so that you could rank for, for that kind of stuff. So very, very similar, knew how to rank on, on the app store, started working really well on the Amazon side. And then we started to want to, uh, or we wanted to start automating some of the processes to help us with our listings. You know, like one of the things that we did, which was super frustrating for me was I would create this keyword list, <laughs> right. And I'd have it like in a spreadsheet or a word document. I don't remember what I had it in, but I remember as I was typing, you know, things into my listing, I would delete these keywords, you know, manually. And eventually by the time I got all of them deleted, I knew I was good, but it was a pain if you started shifting things around like, Oh mm-hmm. man, I'm taking this out. I'm moving this. In. You try to have to add it back into the list and it just became a mess. And I remember I ended up, you know how it is where you write something and then you go away for a couple hours or overnight and you come back and you read yeah. it and you're like, man, this sounds terrible. Yeah, right. Man. It's like, this is not good. So then I ended up taking, I think something out of my title that was, you know, titles, you know, your main keywords in there. And I don't, I got distracted. I don't know what happened. Maybe I got a phone call, something happened, but I forgot to afterwards to put it back in, in into the listing. And so I noticed sales kind of plummeted. And that was kind of the, where the idea for our first product, our first tool scribbles came. It was like, man, I need something that automates this whole process that will not forget to put things back into, into this list. Something that a lot of people don't know is scribbles. We talked about it. The tool was great, super valuable. And we, Hey, should we sell this? And we ended up like, no, you know, this, a lot of people are going to get value from this. Let's give it away for free for subscribing to the podcast. So Scribbles was actually hosted on the AMPM podcast website. Ah. And it was, it was free. And we talked about it in the podcast and people loved it. That was one of the, the first, no, not one of the, that was the first tool that, that we had. And yeah, it was interesting because our, at that point where we weren't, we weren't thinking of SaaS, we weren't thinking right. of building a, a software company. We were thinking, how do we build up this podcast? Right. Cause the podcast started initially 
pretty simple, right? Keep me honest on this stuff. But then it was started building up pretty fast. You know, people are watching this. We're seeing the numbers of views and we're like, you know what? If we build this up large enough, you know, there's, there's advertising dollars to be found. There's the ability to promote affiliate programs that we believe in, you know, good stuff. We can have, you know, partnerships. There's, you know, if uh, Guy used to say it all the time and so did all the, the marketing people back in the day, right? That the money is in the list. So if you can build that up, you know, you've got something. So we thought that was really cool. So that's funny that at, at one point, you know, we decided, yeah, we got to pivot. And I think that's really important in business is there's, you can have a successful business, but it's not always going to be successful. If you go long enough and you don't pivot, things are going to go south. Right. And we, we decided, you know, we pivoted with the software when we we're doing the app business and we, before that went bad. And then we got into this and we're like, all right, we're going to pivot over to creating software. And we created a couple more tools. I think it was Frankenstein. And what was the other one? Frankenstein, Scribbles. 5k checker, 5k yeah. checker. So what 5k checker was yeah. the, the defining at that point when we did 5k checker, it was so valuable and nobody had anything like this on the market that we're like, you know what? We had people saying, well, I'll pay you for this. I'll yeah. pay you for that tool. If I have access to, you know, cause that was one of the ones we weren't going to put out there, you know, and, and then we're like, all right, let's create a business after this. So one thing that, that, that was interesting about the, the software, we never set out to build a SaaS, SaaS company. So whenever we went from AMPM podcast to having a member's area, like, oh, we don't have, like, we, we're going to need to have logins. We're going to need to have this thing. And the tool was built for managed business, right? The Scribbles was kind of a need. He, he requested from one of the devs. They built it. But it was kind of a tool for Manny. Mm -hmm. Whereas making a commercially viable tool, it's a, it's a big step forward. So yeah. that took a leap of faith because at that point in time, we're putting the tools in a member's area, still not charging because we didn't charge for Helium 10 for the first several months until we saw server costs rising and things like, Hey, we're actually having to maintain this thing. It's no longer a lead magnet for the podcast that is becoming a, it's getting a life of its own. It's getting shared around. We're getting way more users into the tool than probably listeners. Right. Yeah. So that transition kind of took us the the tool was a way to promote the podcast but at one point in time it kind of flipped over and it was the podcast promoting the tool yeah so. interesting interesting now people know you guys for helium 10 obviously so you develop helium 10 now that's what you're known for but was there do you think that there's anything that you guys made in your app store days that maybe people might know about or or that was that an app that really became popular I don't think so. No, I, we had, so our whole business model back then was reskinning. So we would create a game engine. We'd spend a lot of time. We'd spend a month, two months, which doesn't seem like a lot of time in the scheme of like the game that Guy and I were trying to create, mm -hmm. but we'd create a simple game. Think of it kind of like a little running game or a flappy bird type game, a little bit more sophisticated than that. And then we would say, okay, we spent all this time on this engine. What if we, you know, can change the little characters to be little monsters or they can be little dragons or they could be little knights or whatever they were. So you could create different names for all these programs, for all these apps. And instead of having one game, you could release 10 games or 15 games, 20 games with the same engine. That was kind of our model. So that's why when Guy was saying we released, you know, when he heard that I had put out, you know, a hundred, 200 games, that was kind of the model we did at the time that Gangnam song had come out and it got really big. And we're like, you know what? We saw it starting to trend before everybody knew about it. And we're like, let's create a game around that. You know, literally we created a little caricature of, of the guy in the blue suit with the glasses and mm -hmm. put him on top of a horse. And it was like a horse game that we had, but it was Gangnam was riding it. And I had actually hired a guy to make a song 
create a, a custom song that sort of sounded like his song, but was just enough. It was different enough that it, you know, we didn't have any issues and uh, we put it out there and we were the first, first app on the app store that had that. And it went all the way up to, I saw it hit number three top in the world. My brother said he saw it for a brief moment, hit number two. At that point we were, this is a while back. So when you're in the number two, number three spot, you get a lot of downloads, lots of downloads. And but we had, we didn't know how to monetize these apps really well. So we had these little banner app or uh, banner ads. And we were making at that point, it was like 20 grand a day from these little ads. It was like crazy. And I was like, Ooh, this is good. How do we monetize it correctly? Had we known what to do? You know, that could have been five, five times, 10 X that a kind of a number. If we were like uh, one of the castle crush type games, right. Or something like that. But yeah, that was kind of the game. Nobody, hmm. I don't think anybody would know about uh, I that. Game. Something like that though. But actually that's one thing that maybe we have in common around that time. I noticed like one or two days after that video got released, I'm like, this is going to be big. And I was a Zumba instructor at that time. I was one of the, I was the first one to make a Zumba fitness video for that. And it ended up getting like about 2 million views because, but mm. Uh, I didn't know how to monetize that. It, it was just fun to get all those views, but there we go. We, we were both kind of working on something on Gangnam style and now we're working together here at, at Helium 10. So now go. talking about the early years of Helium 10, those are some good stories there. Looking back now, you know, it's been about three, four years. Is there anything you guys would have done differently about those early months or, or first year of Helium 10? Yes, absolutely. I'll take this one. Go for all it. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure it's the same answer. <laughs> yeah. Ed, team. We were working ungodly hours, money from his house. I was working from my house. There were, God knows how many nights that we, like all-nighters. And, and we were working ourselves to the ground. We were spending a long, long, long time making sure that we had a, a, a great product. But we were wearing a lot of different hats. So we were writing content. We were doing videos. We were, I mean, you name it. We were product managers, marketers, we're doing everything. And it got to the point where we had a sit down. It was funny because I was in, in central time in Texas. Manny was here in California. And so I was starting my day earlier and I would be working until, I don't know, super late. Then I didn't want to go to sleep and stop working before Manny did. And I didn't know that Manny was doing the same thing as I was doing. So we were working ourselves to like three, four in the morning. And I know we're like dead and like, dude, I, I got to go to sleep. And it was that over and over and mm -hmm. over again. So when we decided, Hey, we're, this is not sustainable. We actually need a team. I flew my family from Texas to, to Irvine. And we, we started the, the, the office there at the WeWork and we had, we had a vision. So as, as you may recall, that office was, was a decent sized office, but it was funny because it was just the three of us. It was Manny, myself, and Manny's brother there in that office that was supposed to be for 52 people. And people, <laughs> people would walk by and point and literally point and laugh uh, because it was ridiculous. Like Manny one corner, I was in the other corner. But luckily the, the team came together and it's really refreshing to see there's a lot of cool things that come from Helium 10 that we had nothing to do with uh, because we've built, we've surrounded ourselves with super smart people. And now we're like, Oh, did you know about that? No, that's really cool. And and that I think is something I would have definitely done way earlier. If I start building that I, team out, if I knew, yeah, definitely start surrounding yourselves with smarter people. I think Steve jobs would say, if, if you are the smartest person in the room, you're, you're doing something wrong, you know? 
so surrounding ourselves with smarter people, better at their job and letting them just do their thing. So now going, but looking back at those, you know, before I, I joined the company in 2018 and we've had some great times, but before stuff, something maybe I don't know about what, what are some fun stories from the early days of helium 10 that from that I don't know about or that obviously nobody else listening to us knows about. Yeah. I remember, man, if we go all the way back to the beginning, we never stopped. We were like machines, honestly, right? That grind that, that we really, really put our all into our business. And it didn't matter if we were sleep deprived, food deprived, sick, running fevers. There was a point where one of our very, uh, actually the very first webinar that we did to build up at the time was Illuminati, which then later became elite for our elite workshops and our elite plan. Me, Guy and Kevin King. And we were, we all got sick at the same time and we were all running fevers anywhere from, I think 102 to like 103, 104. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. remember. But I was in a blanket. He was in a blanket. Kevin was sniffing and coughing and we're about to do our very first webinar and we had filled it out. You know how our webinars are, right? Yeah. We had, I think almost full capacity at, yeah. at that point, which was about a thousand people. And we're like, the show must go on. We can't stop. We got to do this. And uh, we told each other like, Hey, if yeah, we're all shaking, <laughs> yeah, we're all shaking. We're like, if, if one of us isn't answering or talking right away, he's on mute. Just give it him. He's probably coughing up a lung. <laughs> give him about five yeah. seconds cover and then we'll jump in. I remember that uh, at the very beginning of the AMPM podcast, Manny coerced me to, to be a part of it. Cause I, I'm not comfortable in, in the spotlight or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I was in the, what were they called? Q and A sessions or. Yeah. I don't remember. There were questions and answers. And, and I would ask the questions that it was kind of silly, but in order for my, my house, I, I was my office or my, my desk was in kind of the big living room. Right. It was super echoey. And what I would do is take my laptop into my closet. So I'm surrounded by clothes. <laughs> so there's some like muffling. We didn't have all these yeah. sound, 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 <laughs> uh, dumping stuff. So I would sit on my laptop with a mic like propped up and like talking about doing the, doing the podcast surrounded by the clothes. Luckily it wasn't a video podcast, but that was eventually I, I, I came out of the closet, but <laughs> <laughs> with any kind of startup you're there's always going to yeah. be crazy stories. Yeah, for sure. Now, what's the one I heard? I actually just, all of that stuff I didn't even know about, but there was one that I think it was Guy who you told me a couple of weeks ago about a podcast that you actually had to go back and edit it because it oh, caused such an uproar. That was his idea. Yeah. You know, I figured, you know what? All right. We got a lot of, you know, a lot of people that are following us now. They, they love the content we're putting out. So let's give them a little fun on, on April fools. So we decided to create a podcast and we're like, all right, he and I, we're going to sit down and we're going to come up with some stuff, but it's, it, we don't want people to get upset. Right. So what, whatever we say has to be so ridiculous that people will clearly know that it's, it's not real. Right. So we got on there and we had all these stats, right. People like little hacks. I'm like, Oh my God, guys, we got four fantastic hacks for Amazon sellers. You guys are going to love this. It's going to blow your mind. We weren't going to release this episode, but Holy moly. We, you know what? Gee twisting my arm. So here we go. Prom, we're probably going to delete this podcast because you know, this information can't get out there, but so, make sure you, you listen to the very end. Yeah. So I'm like, but whatever you do, don't start doing any of this until you listen to the very, very end. You got to have all of this information, right? So we, we ended up putting this thing out and the first one starts going into saying, you know, it started saying stuff like, you know, one of the things we discovered is if in your title, if you use uppercase sevens, you will get instant ranking, <laughs> right? <laughs> and uh, I got to make sure it's an uppercase seven though, guys. All right. Cause regular sevens won't work. 
And so we, that was the first tip. Right. And then we went into, and, and we went into the second tip, which was uh three point stars. Yeah. Right. So a three point star. I don't know if you can make that with your finger, right? That's a triangle. So we're like three pointed stars. Those are the best. That's the best geometric figure you can put. If you can put one of those into your, your main image somehow and put your main product inside a three pointed star. And we would say we tested five point stars, four point stars, the three point stars had the best conversion. Yeah. Uh, so that was the other thing. There was one, I, I don't even remember the details, but it was something about using red before yellow oh, on colors. Yeah, yeah. That one was, you have to use red before yellow because if you use red after yellow, it reminds people of a bleeding chicken. <laughs> Is that what it was? Yeah. Oh my God. You see what I mean? And then, yeah. And then the final one was guys. All right. So everybody's used to scrolling and scrolling and you got to disrupt that scroll. Right. So I go, what really has worked for us? And you're going to think we're crazy, but I promise you this thing works. So I take your main image, right? If you're not using uh, you know, the, the, the three pointed star, what you want to do is you want to invert it, put it upside down. I go, that will stop people in their tracks. They'll be like, what the heck? They'll turn their head like this to try to see what it is. <laughs> and you will get massive click throughs. So anyways, we do this, right? We release it and cue the, uh, the hate mail. The hate mail starts coming in. Can't believe I wasted 30 minutes of my time. We have people saying, I implemented all of those things and it didn't affect my thing at all. You know, and we're like, how do you implement uppercase sevens? <laughs> I don't even know how that works. Right. So yeah, it was, it was bad. So we, we ended up going back and editing that podcast because we got so much flack over it. And in the very beginning, it says, this is an April fool's, I don't remember something like it's an April fool's podcast. Do not do any of this. This is yeah. for parody purposes only. Oh, I man. still feel like the upside up, upside down images would work if it wasn't against the OS. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Now, real quick, since we're on a light note here, what are, what are you guys have a lot of the stuff I didn't know about you guys, but what is one other thing that you haven't mentioned about each of you that maybe pe would be new for our audience? They don't know about your personal life. Could be personal, it could be business. Yeah. So I'm a big Oculus. I like VR, AR. I'm constantly buying stuff. I, I'm such a nerd with that stuff. I love it. Gee, I know he's, he's kind of like my partner in crime on this stuff. We love it. We play uh, games every once in a while. I love Star. People probably don't know this about me. Love Starcraft 2. It's one of those old, old ass games that's yep. awesome. And I race cars. I think I've talked about that before on my podcast, but I'm officially a race car driver. I do it probably half a dozen times a year, like real, real racing, you know, getting out there on a track, 20 turns and uh, love it. Yeah. Try to get Guy into it a little bit. Yep. What about you, Guy? What, what don't we know about you? know everything about me. You're open book. I'm, I'm, I'm a very uninteresting person. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, what does 2020 hold for Helium 10? All right. I mean, we're starting a new year now and we've been doing a lot of exciting things in 2019. I'm sure people have the question, what can we expect from the team in 2020? Not this one or yeah. a lot, a lot in 2020. Yeah, a lot. I think there's the, the trajectory of the company will continue, continue to grow, continue to innovate. The, the concept from the beginning was having an all-in-one software tool for Amazon sellers. So our mission hasn't changed. We'll continue to provide more a more comprehensive tool set. We'll continue to, to bring value, value to our users. We had a, a big surprise with the bundling of Freedom Ticket into Helium 10. So anything we can do to to double down our commitment to Amazon sellers and to bring, bring value is what we'll continue doing. There's, I'm itching to share what we, what we have, but unfortunately right now we can't, but if you're depending on when this airs out, if you, if you're listening to this on January of, of 2020, 
I think you'll see. I don't think as a company we've ever had a, a quarter in which we've planned as many announcements as Q1 of 2020. So there's a lot of cool stuff coming. Sweet, sweet. Now, I, one thing I know we're doing a lot of here is hiring. All right. So if somebody's out there listening, you know, maybe they're interested in working in Irvine. I personally know that, you know, this is a great place to work and it's amazing. Some of the things you guys do for us. Can, can you let people know what are some of these crazy things that you do for for the employees that make us like I, I swear that I, I work at Google or something, you know, the <laughs> kind of stuff that we used to just, you know, think is urban myth that happens. Like, let me just mention one of my favorite things. Yesterday, yesterday we had our corporate masseuse, you know, give our biweekly massages here. I mean, that literally happens here, guys. But what are, what are some other things that, that that you do for us that you guys can mention? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we we wanted to do here at the company is make sure that people come to the office and they just want to stay. They want to keep working. They want to make, they, you don't ever want that experience that Gee mentioned where they drive up into the parking lot, like, oh, I don't want to go yeah, to my job. So yeah. first of all, we've done a really good job about not only hiring qualified people, but we want to make sure that they fit culturally. You, you've been involved in those interviews. Got to make sure that the people that we hire will integrate well with everybody that we have here. Right. But I, I would turn this to you, Bradley. We've been talking this whole time. You've been interviewing mm -hmm. us. Let us interview you here. You tell everybody what the perks are. What, what do you like about, about this career that you're in? This, this place has just been amazing for me because it a lot, you know, it's, it's been the one place that allows me to, to grow, you know, uh, as a, as a person every two months, it seemed like you guys would come to me in the beginning when I started working here. It's like, okay, Bradley, what do you like doing? What do you not like doing? Like, what's the thing that, that you maybe wish you weren't doing? And, and you were completely open every time I did have something like, you know, I'm not so sure about, about this, but it would be really cool to do this. And you guys would like literally let me do what I wanted to. And, and, and something that I, I didn't really like you would give to somebody else or, or hire somebody else to do. And it got to the point where it's been about like six, seven months now when you guys would have that conversation with me, I'd be like thinking, wait a minute, there's nothing that I literally do not love doing. And, and I've never had that experience in a company where, where there's like literally not one thing that I would like offshoot to somebody else because, because I, I don't like doing it. And, and I think that's really important. I mean, you guys do not understand how much I hate driving. Like I, I hate driving with a passion and I drive four days a week over an hour each way. So that should show our audience how much I love working here now. Thanks to, you know, Manny's peer pressure, I actually got a Tesla. So now I have that autopilot <laughs> autopilot going. So that, that makes the drive a little bit better, but trust me, I would not drive to a, anywhere and I'm driving an hour, uh, each way. So that shows how much I love it. I mean, we do, we do fun stuff like terrain race. We've got a tequila tasting room. It's just an amazing place to work. So I thank you guys for that. And anybody listening wants to apply, you know, please, please send your, your resumes over to our customer service. We'd love to have you join the team. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. I think we're going to, going to be doing a, a hot wing kind of a, a hot wing challenge here. It's going to be a team building experience. We got I haven't experienced one of these things yet. Cause I'm, I'm always gone. Guy and I, neither one of us have experienced the, the what do you guys have? The beer cart, beer cart Fridays, beer yep. cart Fridays. So, so HR, it, it's interesting. HR approves all kinds of interesting, <laughs> interesting yeah. things, but yeah, you've got that. There's a lot of cool things that you can do here at the company. We're always adding stuff. seems like every other month there's something new. I, I'll, we'll see a bunch of animals in the office. I'm like, what is this? And like, oh yeah, now we can, you can bring your pets. I still remember the <laughs> money sent his lack to, to Natalie. There's a dog in the office. <laughs> like it does all, all it said. Thinking like, like, why is there a dog in the yeah, office? How did I get oh, that's, that's a new thing that we're doing for the team. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. No, yeah. but the team will, I mean, it'll, they'll chill out. They'll, you know, we got the, the monster screen in there. They'll play Xbox against mm -hmm. each other. I think, I think what you mentioned is really important. We, we want to make sure that people really love what they're doing here at Helium 10. And if you, Bradley, if you said, man, I don't like writing content, right? Mm -hmm. You just hate it. 
there's somebody in our company that loves writing content. So yeah. why would we make you do that when we could just give to somebody that loves it? Same thing with, for example, operations. There's people that love operations and all the details and stuff, right? I'm not that person. I don't like that, you know, that, that kind of stuff. I'm more on the creative side of stuff. So it's just a matter of talking to people, listening. And as Guy mentioned earlier in the podcast, right? You got to let people that are better than you are at whatever they do kind of go and then they'll create, they'll grow. Yeah. It'll, it'll be awesome. That's what you've done. That's what our team has done. And that's why we're who we are in this space right now. Why we, we become, you know, I don't, a brand to be reckoned with in our space. I think yeah. people really love, love the brand. It really helps a lot of people, touches a lot of people. It's definitely been a learning experience. We cannot claim that it, it always was this way. I think we, one thing that we've done a good job of is being transparent in the, through the interview process, saying, hey, we, we expect the very best because that's what our customers deserve. And if the candidate interviewing is not the very best at what they do, then that kind of ends up reflecting to the, the product, right? So we've, we've always said, we expect the, the very best uh, from you and you guys, the, the team expects mm -hmm. the very best from, from each other. Yeah. So I think that so cliche to say the, the work hard, play hard mentality, mm -hmm. but that's something that made a, a constant effort to, to build with, within the company. So we've done things where we surprise surprised the team with, hey, we're taking half day off. We're going to watch the premiere of this movie in VIP seating or... We're taking everybody to great seats at the at the theater because at the to actually watch a play, things, things of that nature. We know that Helium Ten is way more than Manny Coates or Guillermo Puyol behind the scenes. It's it's the team that that has built the product, and obviously we wouldn't be here without the customers that trusted us and grown grown with us. Yeah, absolutely. Now I have one last question for you guys. This is something, you know, I, I didn't want the serious sellers podcast to be exactly like AMPM podcast, try to make it a little bit different. And one thing that we've been doing like the last 30 episodes is I asked the guests for their, what we call the, which stands for TST. It's a 30 second tip. So we have such a wide variety of guests. It could be about anything. So Manny, I'm going to ask you to give a tip for our listeners that is going to only take you 30 seconds or less. It could be about Amazon. It could be about race car driving. It could be about software development. It could be a life hack. Something that you can tell us in 30 seconds or less that is could be a value for our listeners. 30 seconds or less. Um, I would say never stop learning. Always always be out there reading. I'm, I'm doing it even on my days off. He knows this. Like, you need to relax. I'm always out there learning about the next thing. Never stop. It's not a hack or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's... That's what I do. And that's what I recommend. I like that. Guy, what tip do you have for, for us? No pressure, huh? No pressure at all. <laughs> <laughs> I think really take a moment to ask yourself, what do you want in life? A lot of people go through life and life is something that happens to them. And they look back and they kind of question where, where did my life go? So living life with intention is, is in my opinion, something important. You have to ask yourself every, every morning, every, at least frequently, what do I want from life? And, and not how, not just what do I want, but how do I make it happen? Because mm -hmm. life is not something that happens to you. You make stuff happen. Uh, everything. I've had so many arguments about choice, everything life's a choice. And the things that are not a choice, you always can choose how to react to those. So I would say just live life with a purpose and help somebody out. 
All right. Thanks. Well, guys, I want to thank you for making this a special 100 episodes. I mean, I've done a, a, a hundred episodes now and there's been celebrities on our show. And this is the first time I think I've been nervous, you know, being the host. Uh, you guys are my heroes and it's been, you know, you've inspired myself and so many thousands of people out there, both at the podcast and the software. So we're, we're very excited to see what 2020 has in store for Helium 10. And so thank you guys again for coming on the, the episode and maybe we'll we'll have another episode for episode 200 and see recap of 2020 and Heck how yeah. we hit those goals. Yeah, yep. congratulations on the 100 and we couldn't be more proud of you actually taking it to this spot. So yeah, thanks job. so much. Yeah. Quick note, guys, don't forget that regardless where you are listening to this podcast, whether it's on your iPhone or on Stitcher or on Spotify, that you hit the subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we drop a new episode. 